In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. When we consider the whole plan of salvation, Christ's birth, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension, it comes to its culmination in the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which we celebrated last Sunday. We may ask ourselves, why did God send the Holy Spirit? We know that Christ, after his resurrection, continued to walk the earth and to teach his disciples. And as he was ascended into heaven, he told them that he would send them the Comforter, that they would be clothed with power from on high. But why was this? Why did God send the Holy Spirit? The reason is that through the Holy Spirit, the disciples, and all of us also, become sanctified become holy, and we can be changed into what we were created to be. We were created to be like God. And through this cooperation with the Holy Spirit, we grow in this. The Sunday after Pentecost, today, is dedicated to all saints. This is not a random commemoration, but it's done intentionally. This opportunity that we have in calling to memory all of the saints allows us to reflect on their lives and it allows us to consider what it means to become a saint. Saints are people who've become as much like God through their life's actions as possible. They're people who became what they were created to be as much as possible. Part of becoming more like God is to become more fully human. To be a saint is to become truly human. Metropolitan Callistos Ware tells us that the saints, these holy people, are those people who reproduce on earth the Trinitarian love of God in heaven. This idea of Trinitarian love is what we understand the Holy Trinity to be. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God is love. And these three persons of the Godhead share an abounding love with one another. And from the overabundance of that love, God chose to create the world, culminating in the creation of humanity. In this act, which we find in the creation account of Genesis chapter 1, we hear God say when choosing to create humans, he says, Let us make humanity in our image and likeness. We understand this crucial fact to be true about every human. We are all created in the image and likeness of God. Every person. The image of God is inseparable from humanity, but we strive to grow in his likeness. We must remember that God is, of course, sinless, but we as humans are not. When we do sin, It prevents us from taking another step towards growing in his likeness. We all fall short of our true humanity. And because of that, in some sense, we are incomplete humans. While we're certainly fully human, infinitely valuable, and bearing within us the image of God, we still struggle with sin. And while that's happening we kind of lack the likeness of God. We can grow in his likeness to become more like him. 
We know that there's only one person who is sinless and fully united with God. That person is Jesus Christ. Christ is God and has existed forever with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he became a human being, just like all of us. Through his life, we know that Christ is the perfect and most complete human. Because, as we said before, we were created to be like God, to be in union with God. And Christ, as fully God and fully human, is the realization of this. So when Pontius Pilate presented Christ while on trial, in the purple robe of mockery, Pilate said words more truthful than he probably realized. Idu o anthropos, behold the human. Most English translations get this word wrong, anthropos. Most of them say, behold the man, which if we use that translation, essentially shows Pilate telling the people, Behold, here is the man that you sent me for trial. I'm giving him back to you. But the word in Greek is anthropos, which doesn't mean man, but it means human. So the true translation is, Behold the human, because Christ, in his self-emptying love, laid down his life for all of humanity. The whole plan of his saving work was to reunite humanity with God, to restore the likeness that had been lost. And by doing this, he gives us a way to become fully human. Through Christ's voluntary death for us, he showed us what it looks like to be fully human. To do that involves sacrificial love for others. We must understand that our collective human nature and our personal humanity is made complete in our imitation of Christ. God, who existed before the ages, had no need to become a human. God didn't gain anything, no benefit from taking on human nature. But this act of assuming our created nature communicates God's unending love for us and our inherent value. We share in Christ's saving work every time we also, to no benefit for ourselves, associate with the lowly, the outcast, the marginalized, and the suffering of humanity. When we consider the memory of the saints, we must remember that every person sins, even the holy ones, even the saints. We preach against sin, in all of its forms, but that doesn't mean that we expect everyone to somehow never sin. All of us are admitted and continuing sinners. In our preaching, we are anti-sin, but the opposite of sinner is not sinless. The opposite of sinner is acknowledging sin when it happens and bringing it into the light. This is our practice of confession. The church calls someone a saint who makes this confession, this acknowledgement of any shortcomings, any sin, their entire life and being. A saint is someone who acknowledges their shortcomings and confesses them and works 
to change them. We share in the self-emptying kenosis of Christ every time we also, for no benefit to ourselves, associate with those in need. By intentionally sharing the work of Christ, that is, by taking on ourselves the suffering of others, we conform ourselves to the image of his likeness. This is the call each of us has in every walk of life, to serve, listen to, and comfort people who are ostracized and suffering because of their age, sex, race, language, disability, vocation, or any other thing. We may be nice people. We may even be good people. We may be faithful people. And we can always be better people. The point of our lives as Christians is to get it right. The emphasis is on the process of getting it right. The point of our lives as Christians is not to be right, but to get it right. And this process can only occur through self-reflection, confession, education, and true repentance, a change in behavior. During the ordination prayers of a deacon or a priest, the bishop calls down the Holy Spirit, asking him to heal that which is infirm and complete that which is lacking in the candidate for ordination. The Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost filled what was lacking in the disciples and empowered them to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he also, this same Holy Spirit, fills what is lacking in each of us every time we call God's presence into our lives. And by his presence and by his help, we do the work to become more fully human. In the Divine Liturgy, we also call upon God, beseeching him to send down upon us the Holy Spirit and to send the Holy Spirit upon the gifts that have been presented to him. In doing so, he will sanctify the bread and the wine into the body of, and blood of Christ, but he also sanctifies each one of us. It's so important, the words that we say, that we ask the Holy Spirit to come upon us and upon the gifts we also are changed. This sanctification through the presence of the Holy Spirit can aid us in our acknowledgement of our sin and embolden us to make this confession and to make our direction in life to become fully human, keeping this as the focus of our lives. Through this prayer and in cooperation with our repentance, and our cultivation of love for others, we too can grow in Christ to grow in his likeness until, as St. Paul says, we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect human, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. To God be the glory. Amen.